This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. The Home Depot's Holiday Gift Center has great gifts for any doer on your list and the best prices of the year just for you. On top-rated brands like DeWalt, RYOBI, Milwaukee, and Makita. Right now, the DeWalt Atomic Drill and Impact Combo Kit is just $149, normally $229. Order online for easy in-store pickup or delivery. The Holiday Gift Center, in-store and online. And Black Friday prices now through December. Gift giving improved. From the Home Depot, how doers get more done. U.S. only, Waspa's last C-Store for details. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and today I will be detailing for you the Raptors' latest loss against the Philadelphia 76ers in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals, and it was 116-95. to And yes, this game was maddening, frustrating, sobering, depressing, But I do want to preface everything I'm going to say because there were a lot of things that didn't go right for the Raptors. I think that things will be okay. I do mean that I chose the Raptors in six. And I think that, I think that the Raptors will grab three games in a row. I could just be a naive young man, you know, cheering for his team. Because that's always, you know, that's always out there. That's a possibility. But I do think that that will end up being what happens. So what went wrong? From the outset, the I thought it was a good thing for the Raptors early because Kawhi looked awesome. And the thing that was, you know, really good for the Raptors was, and good for Kawhi Leonard especially, was that Ben Simmons stayed on him, which is difficult because Ben Simmons has done the best job by far on Kawhi. But... Joel Embiid went back to the drop package in the pick and roll that we're used to seeing. That's a good thing as far as we're concerned because it it allows Kawhi Leonard to take more shots. Kawhi Leonard taking more and easier shots is really good for the Raptors offense simply because as we saw later in the game when things ratcheted up, when things got more intense for Kawhi, he had to pass out. The rest of the Raptors roster seemingly is filled with people who are scared to shoot the basketball, save for Pascal Siakam. And I guess just 
there's a rebounding thing. The Philadelphia 76ers are much, much better at rebounding the basketball, and especially in the first half. It was super disappointing. It was super disappointing to see that Bill, Bill Simmons, geez, Ben Simmons can come crash into the lane and he can just steal rebounds. I understand Joel Embiid presenting a lot of problems. He is, you know, even if he hasn't been a generational player, he is a generational talent, perhaps. He's he's so large. He's large and in charge, for lack of a better term. Seven foot three, something like 280 pounds, I'm sure, give or take. I haven't weighed the guy lately, but he's big, and he causes a lot of problems down there, even for the always full, as coined by Katie Heindel, Marcus Saul. So I, I totally get why he presents problems. But having Ben Simmons crash the glass, not okay. Losing guys in transition on cross like on cross matches, not okay. Those are all problems the Raptors need to figure out that aren't actually solved by making more shots, which is a huge problem for the Raptors right now. Big problem. Have to make your shots. It's not happening, really. Not outside of, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. And even you can see it's starting to wear on Pascal Siakam because he's starting, he has to take more difficult shots. And I know he is the king of taking difficult shots, but it's it's getting to him. And especially with the draw package that I talked about with uh, Joel Embiid hanging out in the paint, it's, it's, it's a tough time for guys around the rim. Joel Embiid, I, I think he finished with six blocks in this game, maybe five. Five blocks! He was massive around the rim, and he, he had 33 points and 10 rebounds as well. More importantly, Ben Simmons had seven rebounds. Jimmy Butler had nine rebounds. Tobias Harris had eight rebounds. Those guys are playing a mix of, you know, the three and the four, let's say. They're rebounding their position really well. For example, Pascal Siakam had three rebounds. Marcus Hall had six rebounds. You know, it's just Ibaka had five. Kawhi had four. Danny, I think, was tied for the the lead for the Raptors for rebounds with six with Marcus Hall. It's just there's a clear size advantage for the 76ers when it comes to that. The Raptors have enough savvy players that it shouldn't just be we're smaller there's a reason that Marcus Gasol, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, let's leave Pascal Siakam out of it for now. He's a lot younger. But there's a reason those guys have their place in the league. And three of them are because they're very savvy, clever, cerebral players. Those types of players aren't supposed to miss the box out assignments. They're not supposed to, you know, get dominated in the little ways. You're, you're supposed to dominate those little things when you want to stay in the league for so long. So outside, I guess let's diagnose the big problems, obviously making shots and the repercussions of not making shots. It's a terrible thing that goes hand in hand with a lot of inconsistency on offense, frustration, end of clock scenarios, and especially having, I saw the conversation on the timeline about having the Twitter timeline for those who don't um, do Twitter. And probably stay away from Twitter if you can. It's a cesspool. But anyway, there there is something about... Um, people brought up Jonas Valanciunas and how he's a shot taker. Whereas the Raptors, when you look outside of Pascal Siakam and Kawhi Leonard, they're, they're not shot takers. 
they're and right now they're not shot makers either. You know, it's you have to have guys who are willing to shoot the ball, willing to put in the bucket. We saw the overpassing of Kyle Lowry and Marcus Saul have hurt the Raptors. Sorry, has hurt the Raptors a fair bit offensively. And this isn't me saying that they're bad players. They're very good players. Kyle Lowry, I have so much love for him. As for Marcus All, the exact same thing. The overpassing is hamstringing the Raptors' offense. And outside of that, to meet the overpassing, the 76ers' defensive rotations were incredibly crisp tonight. There was a lot, and I mean a lot, of work being done by Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler in particular. The 76ers did an awesome, awesome job rotating, closing out, defending the Raptors. And Joel Embiid got to sit in the paint and wait, and the 76ers, they hustled, man. They hustled, they forced people to put the ball on the ground, and when the ball went, when the ball, when they're forced to dribble, it didn't end well for the Raptors because they just weren't able to create shots because lurking at the rim was Joel Embiid. And when Joel Embiid is at the rim, realistically, that means that Kyle Lowry just won't shoot it. And it makes sense that he won't shoot it. It really does, right? It just, Kyle Lowry, if he's attacking closeout, gets the edge, and Joel Embiid is waiting one-on-one at the rim, that just can't work. It really can't. Siakam, maybe? Yes. Kawhi Leonard? Sure. These guys, they can hit the mid-range, they can do whatever. But as we know, of late, Kyle Lowry pretty much works exclusively from the three-point line or at the rim. And the rim is getting less and less frequent as, you know, he ages. Fantastic player, but when Joel Embiid is waiting at the rim, Kyle Lowry is not able to attack there. The shots have to come from different places then. The 76ers were rotating to the shooters extremely well, closing out extremely well, forcing, in particular, Gasol and Kyle Lowry to put the ball down to make decisions playing very, very good stay-at-home defense on the other players after they made great rotations. This put the Raptors' offense in a bit of a bind where it had Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry putting the ball on the ground, or Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry spotting up where they weren't wide open. They're just open, and both of them seem to not want those shots the past, you know, six games, and which is a bit of a problem, right? So... That just completely hamstrung the Raptors' offense. There was there was nothing to do about it. And then that made it so that the 76ers' defense could really key in on a Pascal Siakam, a Kawhi Leonard, so that they could suppress Danny Green, who still, Danny Green is not, um, well, and maybe that's not fair. It's he, he missed a couple that you would expect him to make, but I think he, he was, I think he had three threes tonight. He was probably like three of six, three of seven. Um, let's look at the stats. Three six. There you go. I, I, you know, he's he has to come around as far as who he is and what he's on, what he is on this team because he has been missing as far as an offensive component for the Raptors in the playoffs so far. I, I have no complaints with Danny Green's defense. I think he's been superb on the defensive end, even if there have been a bit of he's had some troubles dealing with Jimmy Butler of late. Jim Butler's played two really good games back-to-back. Not much that Danny Green can do in the same way that Ben Simmons is playing really good defense on Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard is just scoring. Um, A minute for Kawhi Leonard, he's incredible. 
there were times it looked like he was going to snatch a victory from the jaws of defeat, that he was doing so much work, just going to the grindhouse over and over and over and just lining up for that high pick and roll for like six possessions in a row, scoring on four or five of them, doing work like that and, and just saying no to being stopped, hitting jump shots, getting to the rim, getting fouled. He, he was, I guess, tireless is the perfect term for how Kawhi Leonard played. He gave it all, and his defense was good. So Kawhi Leonard, for the whole playoffs, has not been one singular iota of a problem. He has been the the hero's journey. He has been, you know, the, let's say, the Jon Snow, the Jesus figure, the, you know, the the very popular hero the one who does not make mistakes and even if he does make a mistake it's not a a virtuous mistake let's say it's not because of lack of virtue it's just it's an innocent mistake something like that Kawhi is he's just done an incredible job for the Raptors right now and it's disappointing that he's left on his own but that's what it seems like um another concern a bigger concern let's say Fred Van Vliet, I don't think has made a shot in the last two games. I believe he was 0 for 7 in this one and 0 for 5 maybe in the last one. So he hasn't made a shot in two games. This is a guy who was voted third, third in the whole league in the six-man-a-year um, voting system, let's say, the, the voting rankings. And because he was such an important cog in the Raptors' bench machine. This year, especially after he came back from his surgery, he was fantastic. He was so good. He was absolutely clinical running the offense, especially when he got to play next to Kyle Lowry, but who isn't good next to Kyle Lowry, as per usual. In these playoffs, not only is he completely devoid of any type of shot creation, passing ability when he's the, you know, the head of the offense, but he's completely, the offense is defunct. When he's when he's next to Kyle Lowry, it just when he's on the floor, nothing works apparently. And maybe, I guess the most concerning thing, maybe the most concerning thing, right, is obviously Fred VanVleet needs to be so much better. I don't have any qualms with Norman Powell, honestly. Norman Powell took shots, hit shots, and I think he'll do that. Fred VanVleet reluctantly takes shots dribbles the hell out of the ball, flattens the damn thing before the possession ends, and then he's short, man. He's short, and he has a lot of trouble at the rim. It's really tough for him, and you can you can really see it when he's out there. Um, Kyle Lowry, minus 28. Marcus All, minus 26. The Raptors starters got absolutely annihilated in this one. They're, you know, and credit Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had... You know, there's there was this 47-point game against the Lakers in the regular season that was like his coming-out party. You know, he was going to dominate in the post. He was going to make everybody look like a child down there. But this game for him, the, you know, the 30, 10, and 5, you know, points, rebounds, and assists is just a big statement. And especially since he's clearly, he's not all the way back. But damn, he windmilled on the Raptors. He blocked Pascal, and a big shout-out to Joel Embiid as well for Pascal had a dirty play on him. He stuck his leg out. I didn't have that much of a problem with it. Like, you don't want to see that, but it's 
Joel Embiid wasn't running when it happened. He, he was from a you know a, a stop, so it was like he caught his legs, and you know if somebody trips you, they just like you get tripped kind of. It's it's not so severe. He tripped him at the knee, so. Well, maybe I'm just rationalizing it since Pascal is a good child. But also, like, Embiid went down, and Embiid goes down the same way Lowry does. And Embiid was all smiles with Pascal later. I didn't think it was a super big deal. I understand why he got the flagrant one. But it, like, while it is a dirty play, you know, Siakam and Embiid had no problem with each other after that. It was just, you know, Embiid got a touch on the knee from Siakam's foot. Embiid went down, and then... uh Siakam was angry he didn't get a call and then the ref assumed because Embiid went down that there was going to be fisticuffs or something you know so he ran and he blocked off Siakam Siakam obviously wasn't trying to get Embiid so Siakam walked up the floor and then Embiid and him Embiid smiled at him gave him a you know a nod and they kind of like dapped it up and it was fine which was my takeaway I, I know Embiid went down I'm like oh that's a foul that's a flagrant if Pascal gets like kicked out of the game where after him and Joel are just kind of like saying like, Hey, yeah, kind of funny. Like it wasn't that serious or it didn't seem that way to me. It's kind of ranty, but that's, that's just fine. There's going to be a lot of complaints about Nick nurse. I think after this one and I, I understand. I just, the Raptors, like the chicken and the egg, right? The Raptors offense has looked so dominant. I I had this, I can't remember what the exact, I'll, I'll try and find. I had this comment that I did for the, the preview, and it was, you know, speaking glowingly, it's Leonard's continued excellence next to Lowry's inevitable, effervescent, all-consuming winning stuff has made the Raptors at their worst, stiff competition for one of the league's best teams, and at their best, closer to a raging, burning star. I thought that was true. This game has been more difficult, let's say. And let's say they were at their worst. They were not stiff competition for one of the league's best teams. The 76ers thrashed them. Embiid, once they got rolling, Jimmy Butler, Embiid, they really, they took it to the Raptors. And good for them. They played awesome. Their defense in particular was just fantastic. And they worked hard on offense. The 76ers, they just... They went for it, and you know that's that's how it is. I, what what did Nick Nurse do wrong? I, jeez. I mean, there you hate to see any Ibaka and Bead minutes, but that seems like something you don't even complain about now, right? Because Embiid dominated Gasol in this one as well. And to get back to the chicken and the egg thing, the chicken and the egg thing is like the Raptors' offense. Their defense oftentimes has been good enough to win every game. Even 116, the Raptors' offense can score more than 116. They can win a game while allowing 116 points. Like, I promise you. I promise you they're capable of that. So, what does Nick Nurse need to do for more offense? I, They just have to make shots. That's the thing. And the chicken and the egg, right, is like aggressive defenses do very well when other teams don't make shots. When other teams don't make shots, defenses play more aggressive. The Raptors not making shots and the 76ers playing aggressive defense snowballs until we have the Raptors looking like they can't score unless they have Pascal Siakam on the break or Kawhi Leonard in the high pick and roll. So the Raptors spend their whole year 
running so much offense through Kyle Lowry's pick and roll, only to now realize that they'll be getting nothing from it. Pascal Siakam post-ups, not going to happen. Pascal Siakam isos, not going to happen. Joel Embiid is lurking at the rim. So, And we saw things that we wanted from Nurse. Maybe like Gasol took more shots in the paint. I think I counted four, like four around the rim. I don't know if any of them went in. You know, Gasol maybe one, but you know he he took one three only during this game and probably should have taken more from there. He's a good shooter. He took a lot of his shots out of the post this game, which was strange. I and he took shots out of the post when he was guarded by Embiid, which was what bothered me. When he's guarded by Harris. If Gasol goes to the rim and misses a shot when he's guarded by Tobias Harris, like, so be it, man. He's, he's supposed to score that, and at no point in his career should he not be able to score that. That's supposed to be two points when that happens. When he's taking post-ups against Embiid and taking shots, that's generally a problem. And again, to get back to the aggressive defense thing, the Raptors were being defended very aggressively, and the 76ers found the perfect middle ground of that often the Raptors do on defense from stunting and creating a lot of uh, dysfunction and chaos in the opposing team's defense. The 76ers did that to the Raptors tonight. And, yeah, the the villain, the villain of this game, uh, Ben Simmons, obviously, he purposefully elbowed uh, Kawhi, or sorry, not Kawhi, Kyle Lowry in uh, the family jewels, let's say, and Kyle Lowry went down. They didn't review the play. I expect that he'll get a flagrant upon review, which is something the NBA can do, and then that'll be released. That's something that I think will happen. So just you do something like that. If if I were doing the 76ers reaction podcast for them, Pascal Siakam would be the villain because he tripped Joel Embiid. You know, it's simple things. Ben Simmons elbowed Kyle Lowry in the nuts. Obviously, he's going to... He's going to get the the Villain Award, the Mitchell Robinson Award. Um, the Raptors, the Reggie Evans Award, it's Kawhi Leonard. Without a question, he was tireless, relentless, um, fantastic, perfect tonight. And just didn't have enough of a team around him to make that scary for the 76ers. And it just, man, he tried. He really tried. And not only did he try, he succeeded. Everything he tried to do, he was pretty much successful at. He was like 13 of 22 from the floor. I don't know what else you want, man. That's like that's just sometimes that's how it shakes out. The Raptors shot 25% from three. The 76ers shot 43% from three. That's tough in this NBA, in this in this climate. To come back from that is it's tough. And I especially with the Raptors, they like the three pointer especially the way the Sixers played them. They're supposed to want that shot. They're supposed to get that shot. Um, Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, the top quick reaction comment. Brian L. says, Not the best result, but it's going to be a long series. Don't lose faith. Thank you, man. That is so level-headed. I absolutely, completely agree with that. That was my sentiments opening up this podcast. And I, I still feel that way. The Raptors against the Bucks, you know, mind you, that was a DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry-led team as opposed to Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry-led team. But the Bucks creamed the Raptors in Game 3 and, and went down 2-1. The Raptors ended up taking it in 6. I know we all remember that. Norman Powell entered the lineup. 
that type of thing in game four and the Raptors, they came back. But the, the, the beauty is that this isn't, you know, the Champions League. The Raptors didn't lose 5-1 and have to get everything back on aggregate. The Raptors lost one game. They could win a game by one point on Sunday, win the game by one point on Sunday, and everything's even. And then they're going back with home court advantage. And the Raptors are a very good team. They are comprised of so many, you know, multifaceted talents that I think they can come back and they can take Sunday's game. I think they take Sunday's game. I really do. If they don't, things will get pretty hairy and understandably so. But I think that they will. And thank you for listening to this podcast. I, you know, it's, it's therapeutic really for me. I hope it's therapeutic for you. And I hope, I know some people really want an angry reaction podcast. I know some people, they really like that. But for me, that's not really my take. You know, it's, it's a moderate type of thing. And, you know, I think the Raptors, they, they can do it on Sunday. They can. And they can bring it 2-2. These series, man, they go they go back and forth. Just two years ago, the, the one-seeded Boston Celtics went down 0-2 versus the, the Bulls. Then they took both games in Chicago. And that was the eighth-seeded Bulls. They went down 0-2 to them. You know, Rajon Rondo was ruining Isaiah Thomas's life. Like, what? And, and they ended up going far to the conference finals. So, like, there you go, right? It's... Uh, the Raptors can do this. They have they have the players to do it. And, you know, the 76ers are talented. They can do their thing. They're very capable. So it's it'll be a good series. Hopefully the rest of the games, if they're not close, it'll be in the favor of the Raptors. And just for entertainment value, I mean, hopefully they're close and fun. And we see some late game heroics from Kawhi, Pascal, and the like. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Whether you get to this tonight to decompress or you're listening to this in the morning your commute whenever thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day want to hear something amazing discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically dollar for dollar with no limit on how much you can earn extra cash come on how amazing is that in fact it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where discover is accepted 99 of places in the u.s that take credit cards so when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.